up. Well, first of all, this is our last night of Yard Church, and we wanted to thank Matt and Kelly for hosting us since October. So thank you very, very much. You've been a gracious host. Also, it's Memorial Day weekend. Thank you to all who served in the military. We appreciate that very, very much. Tonight, you have a special treat. Suzanne Stelling is the Director of Women's Ministry at Cedar Springs. She and Grant live in Park Ridge. Uh, she's also Misha Testerman's mom, if any of you know Misha. And she just has a tremendous heart for the city and really looking forward to having her priest tonight. So welcome, Suzanne. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. So glad to be with you all. I'm going to scooch that up. Um, if my papers fly, bales, you're the one. Okay. Thank you. So tonight I want to talk about following Jesus, the whole concept of following Jesus and where that can take us. From those five scriptures, um, we'll look at five people and watch how they follow Jesus. We're going to pay attention to two things, what they had to leave, lesser loves, and then what they gained, a greater love. So when Jesus said, follow me, he literally meant accompany me on the road, join me in the way. It was an invitation. Be with me. Put your feet where mine are. Let's go together. Well, think about that and then look at your bulletin. You'll see a picture of my sweet husband. Grant. We recently went on an anniversary trip to the Rocky Mountain National Park. And on day three, we hiked above 11,000 feet to find a frozen lake up at the top. And um, I definitely had to stop and breathe a few times. And this is what that looked like. A um, lot of elevation. That was really an amazing time. But right as we got there, we could see, we could see the lake. But on the far side of the lake, there was a snowstorm that was descending. And this puts Grant in his happy place. So he quickly looks at me. He um, makes, you know how you have the hats that narrow down to just about here. So just about this is, is showing. And then I had a hat up there, checked my glove situation. Spikes were good, poles were good. And I had another extra layer on. And then he turned and he took care of himself. Then we felt the temperature drop and then the snow started coming in horizontally. We had to turn our backs to the snow as it, it, as it came in. And then after a little while, probably, I don't know, maybe five or six minutes, it started to fall more vertically. So at that point, we're lost in wonder. It's amazing. We're the only people up there. It's marvelous. And we continue on the path toward the other edge of around the frozen lake, and we get to where we saw the storm start. We stay there probably, I'd say, 20 or 30 minutes just lost in the wonder of it all. It was amazing. And then at that point, we're, we're thinking we can't find the path from that side of the frozen lake um, up and beyond. So we need to circle back around and uh, head out the way we came. And we realized that as we headed back, that there were no tracks there either because so much snow had fallen so rapidly. And so Grant had to post hole. Are you familiar with that? So post-holing, you're the first person, you're doing the hard work, you're picking up your feet and putting them in the snow, and it takes a lot more concentration, effort, and focus when you're the post-holer. You don't want to get off too much because you don't want to end up in the frozen lake. 
and, um, and you want to stay on that narrow path. But it's really easy when you're in my position, the follower. All I had to do was put my feet exactly in his tracks. So I was step, pull, step, pull, step, pull. And for me, it was good. I didn't worry. I wasn't fearful. I wasn't afraid. Um, Grant got us home safe, as you can see. So that's a great picture of following. What I needed to do in order to follow well was to stay right in his footsteps. So Jesus is our leader as Christians. He's our post-holer. He's the one taking us where he wants us to go. It's not where we want to go. We're followers. So we go where he is taking us. Um, following looks different for different people. We all have our unique journeys, but we're all following and doing the best we can to follow Jesus. So here's one of the most important lessons I know about following Jesus. And that is that he will ensure that we go through experiences where our lesser loves cannot survive. So think about that. He will ensure that we have experiences where our lesser loves cannot survive. We will, we will come to a point where we choose him, the greater love, or we splinter off. Um, the paths of everyday living present us with these times that we splinter off from Jesus all the time. We make choices every day. But to follow Jesus is to stop following those lesser loves as he becomes our most important and our greatest love. He begins to increase in such a beautiful way in someone's life, in their energy, in their time, in how they live. Um, but we get to practice and have the guts to say no to lesser loves, to not try to bargain to not try to have it our own way, but to continue to follow. Now, you may be thinking, okay, what are my lesser loves? Let's talk about that. To identify your lesser loves, you might want to ask yourself some of these questions. Today, was anyone or anything too important? And then how did you know? Because a lot of times the Holy Spirit will give you that sense, or you'll be riddled with something on the inside and you know something or someone was too important. Um, another good question that I've found through a few years of experience is when was I bound up and tight or when was I free and at ease in the spirit? That usually lets me know where a lesser love is. Um, was I afraid to let go of anything? That's been a good one. When did I increase and you decrease instead of the flip, you increasing and I decreasing. And another one, did my heart and my life align with the kingdom today? I don't think there's a single day where I've ever said, oh yes, absolutely, with no problem. It's always a no. But what it leads me to is to identify what my lesser loves are. And that's what I want. This is, this is real discipleship. This is a call to Christian maturity. So what did following mean for the handful of Christian disciples that we just read about? Let's explore. But as we explore, I have some questions that I want you to listen for. Uh, with whom do I most identify? Which disciple? What lesser love did they have to release or give up? And then what did they gain? What did they have to embrace? We're going to talk first about Andrew. He was the first... Um, First of one set of brothers, Andrew and Simon Peter. 
So Jesus's first question to Andrew, he was not playing around, was, what are you seeking? Just let it sink in for a moment. Why are you coming after Jesus? What is it that you really want? I think sometimes it's very important that we name in Jesus's presence what we want. We name the longing. Well, Andrew followed with joy. He was a bringer. Um, Anybody that he could, he was a bringer. So he runs after he meets Jesus and he goes and gets his brother, Simon Peter. Come on, Simon Peter, I found him. He's the one. Then we see that he brings the boy who has the five loaves and fishes at another point. And he gets to see the incredible situation of the feeding of the 5,000. Another example, there were some Greeks who come and they say, we want to see Jesus. And Philip gets Andrew and Andrew goes to get Jesus. So he was constantly a bringer. Um, so let's look at his life. What were his lesser loves? What, did, what had to change for him? The first and biggest um, for a time was he had to leave John the Baptist. He had been John the Baptist's disciple. So he left that first allegiance and he turned in order to follow Jesus more closely. So the question for you, I guess, there is what might Jesus be calling you to turn from in order to stay more close, to to follow him more closely? What did he gain? Andrew gained, as as a bringer, he gained a new family, a new family of disciples. He got the joy of seeing Simon Peter join in. He got the awe of watching what happened when Jesus took the five loaves and the fish and fed the 5,000. And he got the satisfaction of seeing others engage directly with Jesus. Andrew was more of a behind the scenes guy, strong, but he didn't have to have that spotlight that often went to his brother. Um, So he gained a soul satisfaction as he brought others to Jesus. So question for you. If following for Andrew meant bringing his whole heart and his friends, who are you bringing to meet Jesus, your greatest love? All right, let's talk about the next one, Simon Peter. Let's see about him a little bit. He began following with lots of questions, some misunderstandings as well. And he was a fisherman with an all-in risk orientation to life. He was an emotional force. He was a spokesman for the disciples. When he was high, he was really high. He experienced some really emotional lows. He walked on water with Jesus. He saw the transfiguration. He saw a dead girl raised to life. Um, He believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and he said so. He cut off Malchus's ear with the sword in an effort of risk to protect and defend Jesus right before he was arrested. After Jesus' resurrection, he became the rock on which the church was built. So following for him meant risk-taking and complete surrender. What risks is Jesus asking you to take so that you can follow him more closely? Are you all in, like Peter, wholehearted? Even to the point where some people think you're a little crazy? Um, What did he have to lose? What were some lesser loves that he gave up? I would say that one of them was independence. 
In order to have a Lord and Master and Messiah, he had to transfer his allegiance from himself to Jesus. Um, he had some non-kingdom ideas of what grace, greatness looked like. He had the strong force of his own strong will. What did he gain with this greater love of Jesus? Jesus became so important in Simon's personality that it changed from an impulsive, explosive, emotional force to a man who was patient and suffering and very humble and very teachable. Simon Peter gained perspective. He gave his whole self to Jesus, all of his impulses, his failures, and his emotions. And in that process, he ended up opening up the gospel to people who didn't look like him anymore. He opened up the world for the gospel to go to a whole new set of people who didn't look like him. So questions for you. In following Jesus, Simon Peter became a unified, yielded man who strengthened his brothers and sisters in Christ. In Christ, his world opened up way beyond what he had originally thought was acceptable. Is Jesus expanding your ideas of the kingdom? Are you open? Simon became Peter as he was formed by failure and following. Can you believe that Jesus sees possibility in you? Huge possibility in you even as he did with Simon Peter, even with all those failures, all the mess, all the emotion, um, even as you fail and keep turning back to Jesus, as Peter did over and over. Let's talk about two others, two other sets of brothers, James and John. So these brothers were inseparable, and they followed immediately and wholeheartedly. They left the family, and they left the family business. That was a big step. Salome, their mom had money. Was, um, John was a friend of the high priest. We know he had a house in Jerusalem. Um, and so with Salome, they sought a position of leadership and power in Jesus's kingdom. But Jesus may challenge your ideas of vocational and financial stability and security. It wasn't what they thought. It wasn't what they looked like at all. John also had a poetic lens when he looked at the world he was the author of five New Testament books. Um, at the cross, he was there. He was one of the only core people who was there. He was the one that Jesus looked down from the cross and said, Behold your mother. So he entrusted his own mama into John's care. And then, of course, we know he was the one who listened and saw the vision of Jesus in, in the book of Revelation. So what lesser loves did he give up in order to follow he left the family, he left the family business, and that promise of security, that way of thinking and looking at life, that lens. Um, they both gave up having their own way, and the misplaced confidence and loyalty that earned them the nicknames Sons of Thunder. Following meant giving up their own way and the force of their tempers. Do you have some misplaced loyalty that sometimes comes out as thunder? Wouldn't you rather be known for your love and the love of Christ? Like them, they had to keep following 
that was a process over time. He works with us in the time allotted for us, but it's really interesting for James, when he followed, he, he was the first disciple who was martyred. John, as he followed, he was the oldest one to live and he lived part of his life in exile toward the end. So they both gained understanding and experience of how to love. John even became known as the disciple of love. So James gave all he had his entire life, everything for Jesus, not holding anything back. John lived long, planted churches, but was ultimately exiled for Jesus for the sake of the gospel. They both gained wholehearted surrender to Jesus and gave it all in love. So a question for you regarding James and John. As you closely follow Jesus, as he's post-holing forward for your life, open your heart to him. He may be calling out your inner poet and your inner strength as you follow him wholeheartedly. He may also be asking you to die in certain ways. Now, we do that daily, not just the big flash at the end. So in thinking about that, I want to encourage you. It's never easy. It's never easy, not even daily. But it does seem to me that that's what he asks of most of his favorites. Give up your life. Lastly, we're going to talk about Matthew. I love Matthew. He was a tax collector. He dealt with the ignominy and disgrace and the shame and the rejection of the Jews because he served their Roman oppressors. He was separate from those who were considered righteous and good in their faith in a culture where community was pretty much everything. He was there. So what did he lose? What were his lesser loves? He lost power and the assurance of being backed by Rome. He also lost money and an affluent lifestyle. But what did he gain? He went from chronicling tax debts and Jewish citizens to chronicling Jesus' life, trials, denials, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. He was the one who wrote the very first gospel and targeted his own people, the Jews. He was the one. So he had great gain. He also gained friendship, a community of belonging, something completely new, so beautiful and positive. So some questions for you related to Matthew. Following meant leaving a lonely position of power to fighting his identity as Jesus's friend. Are you isolated? Is that how you're feeling? Are you still on the outside of Jesus in a position of wealth and authority? Is your soul sick, even if your wallet is fat? Matthew can relate. Are you captive to power or money or an affluent lifestyle? These are lesser loves, and we need to name them as such. Would you be stunned by a personal invitation by Jesus to become a follower, to follow closely, and to gain so much beauty? Well, let's think through some of the themes of today. When we exchange our lesser loves, we exchange them for the love of our life. There is no bargaining. 
There is no one greater than Jesus. There's no reason greater than Jesus. There's no cause greater than Jesus. This is always valuing Jesus as greater than. High, lifted up, exalted, the most important, the one, the one with no competition. And we exchange that over and over and we practice daily. There may be misunderstandings and disappointments, just as there were with those other disciples that we've reviewed. There may be power and identity struggles as we all just walk it out and figure out what it looks like to be a follower. You may have to make adjustments. You may come in following Jesus, looking one way, and you may need to adjust in a hearty way and make some different choices. You may gain community like Matthew, or you may be exiled like John. Our journeys are different. But Jesus sees your inner poet. He sees your inner thunder. He sees your distractions. He sees your lesser affections. He sees your great strengths. And he sees your beauties. His walk, his invitation to walk together in that, it still stands. But I need you to know he sees you and he invites you to follow. As you follow him, staying close to him, you will give your life away. This is part of it. It's part of what Christ asks. Real living includes real dying. Let's review. Andrew, he died crucified on an X-shaped cross. Um, Who was next? Simon Peter, he died upside down on a cross, not counting himself worthy to be crucified in the same way Jesus did. You've got James, Okay, he was the first one to die. He was run through with a sword. You've got John, exile, old age. You've got Matthew. He was crucified as well. So the end went out with a flash and a bang. They were willing to give it all, to leave nothing here, to completely surrender everything that they could possibly have. But this dying is also daily. You and I figure out slowly but surely through failure how to decrease as Jesus increases in us. And he's so beautiful. You see Jesus in each other and you just get so attracted. He's so beautiful. And we, as your community, will cheer you on as we see Jesus growing in you. You will gain what is eternal and you may definitely lose what is temporal. And let me encourage you, what is eternal is worthy. It's so much, oh, it's so much better. You will change. This is, this is inevitable. You may disappoint people who used to really like you the way you used to be. Pursue Jesus. Stay close in his post-hold steps for your journey. And then there are times, of course, when you may just have to stop and breathe like I did, going up that mountain at that high elevation when it was steep and it was hard and the snowstorm was coming in, and you just had to lean over and get your breath. That's okay. When we follow Jesus, he brings us to a place where our lesser loves cannot survive. So, know this. As you journey with him along the way, you will be transformed. This is a challenge and a call to Christian maturity. Don't compromise. Set your face like flint on him. 
you'll fail and fail again. That's okay. Keep turning back to Jesus. Keep getting back on that path. Remember the call to following is him saying, come with, come be with me. So keep on turning back and keep listening to the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you what to do. He'll help you figure out where your feet go. So keep walking. May he be your greatest love. May he be your wholehearted pursuit of your whole life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I love you. It's so good to be with you and your people. Jesus, I just want to thank you for post-holing for us. Spirit, even as the wind blows and breathes across us, I pray that you would breathe fresh life in us. Help us continually turn back to you. Help us to make you our first and greatest love. Help us to shed those lesser loves as we follow you closely. Amen.